episode two where we talk about vaginas on the internet and the Boston Tea Party. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty good description of our versus battle today. <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to talk about Nas, King's Disease. Um, I'm going to, so right up front, I did not rate each track like I did last time because I, I'm going to give this whole album a three. Like, ah, okay. <laughs> okay. But we'll go through it track by track, and I'll I'll tell you why I gave it a three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna understand what you did. I rated them. I rated them all, and I rated them probably higher than you did. But I'm I'm probably not gonna disagree much, knowing your taste. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is album thirteen from Nas. Um, first track. Title track, King's Disease. Uh, I I love I love the samples. Samples were cool. Uh, he kind of rattled off uh, a modest resume, uh, but he seemed to get off a bit towards the end. And I didn't realize it because I was listening to it in the car. But it was pretty much an intro. It was only like a minute and some change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I mean, that's 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 basically my note. I was just like, it's a one verse intro. Um, <laughs> but I have to be honest. When it first came on. Like the whole vibe right up until when Nas spit his first word, I thought it was a Jay Z track. Like it had that whole vibe to it until he came in. Yeah, I could see that. And, and yeah. it may just be like a classic New York thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, if, if I didn't know that I put on a Nas record, I would have been expecting a Jay Z verse off the bat because it kind of had that intro Jay Z feel to it. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I think when Nas came in, he it was vintage. Like he he sounded that way. You know, what I mean, it, it sounded like an old track, even though we know it's not. Like so, he's just right. so he's just so in his pocket that I thought that it that it fit well, and that he kind of tried to set the stage for what he was going to go for with the project. Yeah, I think he knew what he was going for. Um, I so the entire album is produced by Hit Boy. Yeah, which um, which surprised which... me. Yeah, I don't know if it really fits with Nas. Well, yeah, um, I got I got a note for like the whole project about Hit Boy. Like as a, I like Hit Boy. Like I'm a fan of his production, and I think Hit Boy did a great job of going over to Nas's style, pretty much. You know that New York feel to it, and staying away from what Hit Boy's known for. But I think that he'd have been better if he'd have made Nas get out of his comfort zone a little bit and sort of meet him in the middle. Uh, and he didn't really, yeah. he didn't really do that too often. Hit boy, I feel like, is mostly known for his good music stuff. And then, yeah, uh, I mean, he but he also produced like some super hits, like "Drop the World" from Lil Wayne, uh, "Sicko Mode" by Travis Scott. Yeah, yeah, he's he's more of a commercial type producer, and I didn't think that he did that for it. Yeah, it it almost seemed like Hit Boy was trying to do classic Nas and Nas was trying to to do what you would do on a Hit Boy track almost throughout the, the whole album. Yeah, like yeah, I just don't think they, they they met in the middle like a collaboration. I think that, you know, they were both trying to do what the other one wanted to do, but nobody really took direction of where it should be. Right. Yeah. Uh the second track was Blue Benz. Uh I felt like this was like a classic New York track. Uh, it, again, it was short, and I, the whole album short. It's thirteen tracks, and it's not even forty minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So my, my initial note was it could have been a bit better because I expect more from Nas. Like, it, like I just expected it to be a little better. The, like the production that Hit Boy did kind of sounds like a budget Kanye West watch the vibe beat. Yeah. <laughs> but like it could have been better. Like, you know what I mean? Like the beat was cool, but it like, it sounded like he was trying to do Kanye and not as good. Yeah. And there's going to be our overarching uh, theme for this album is it could have been better. <laughs> and that's exactly it. I mean, three is right down the middle and I had a, I have a six and a six so far out of 10. So those are both threes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so we're, like I said, I'm not too far off from what it was. Like I, I thought the song was okay, but like I have a higher yeah. level of appreciation for Nas, especially after following up to lost tapes too. You know what I mean? Like right. this just kind of yeah. seems like an afterthought. Yeah. The next track car 85, I absolutely loved. Like I love the beat. I like the mm -hmm. old school feel of the verses. My only gripe with it is unless you live in New York city, you cannot relate to this song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, I 100% agree with all that. Like I thought it was a very solid album track. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just an album track. Like it's not a single. It's not, I don't think it's supposed to attach to everybody. And right. the way he laid out his story and the pictures that he painted inside of it, it kind of reminded me of the old song project window where he broke it down a couple of different times, but it all had one overarching theme to it. And mm -hmm. so he painted like this really chill picture uh, when good story to it. And, uh, yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that was really great. I think Charlie Wilson on there made it sound vintage, like, like, like you would expect it to be. But when I listened to it a second or third time, I was just like, you know, who would have made this sound really good? R Kelly. Yeah. So I, that's another thing I took issue with a lot of the features on this album. And so it, when we get a few more tracks down, I'm going to have kind of the same set sentiment, but um, no, I, yeah, I thought it was a cool story and like not being from New York. Like I didn't even know that you could, you could request a specific taxi. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that you can do that everywhere, but you know, like you may have to wait a while. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. good song. I thought it was, it was the first one. I gave it a seven, so you know, above average for the project. So I thought it was a, you know, a little bit better than the last two. It was like a full song. It was well put together. The production sounded good. You know, it sounded like he sat down with it for a while. Yeah. Uh, Ultra Black. So without looking at anything prior to this just listening to the album when this came on i immediately thought this is the single cool. that's right it was yeah <laughs> um it's cool i like it it's a good single um it's one of the better songs on the album i like the old school you know black culture references or sanford and son superfly and all that yeah yeah because i don't think nas has the new any new ones pretty much like i think that that's just right where his relation is. So like my thought was, it's the first song that I heard that had some longevity to it. Like, I think that it could stay around a while. So out of the first three, you know, it's not something that you would really play again. So this one was the first one I was like, yeah, you know what? It might make a playlist. Like it'd yeah. be something that I'd listen to in the future. But with that being said, as his pro black anthem, I think that it didn't seem to hit his mark. 
like it, it wasn't good enough. Like his references weren't good enough, weren't stuck enough on what it needed to be. Like it kind of felt like the pro black type of songs that logic makes. Okay. Like it just wasn't, you know, like he didn't have his whole heart in it. Like he set out to do it. He made it. Do you feel like he was trying to convey a message and just missed? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, there's, there's, he has so many good ideas and like, you can tell that he sat down to do it, but this seemed like he was trying to make a single you know, that fit what he was trying to do. That's fair. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. fair. I would say it's one of the better ones. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think hit boy did a great job. He made like a common era beat, you know, common, good music. Beat album. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes. I think, I think it fit perfectly. And I love the entire second verse, like, cause I've been trying to pull quotables for each song, you know? And, uh, this one, I was just like, yo, that whole second verse is good. Like, I just don't think yeah. that it would, you know, the song was, as much of an impact, like to be an anthem, like, you know, uh, Kendrick Lamar, when he makes a pro black song, we're going to be all right. That's an anthem. You know what I mean? Like this just, it's a cool song. Like, I don't think that it's going to have the staying power to be played five years from now when we're going through the same bullshit that we're going through now. (laughs) Uh, 27 summers I felt was way too short. Um, I really, Absolutely. I really liked it. And so when you, when you were talking about the features earlier, this is the track I would have put a feature on. Rick oh, Ross would have absolutely hey. killed this beat. <laughs> hey, so here's my note. I'm like, it's one verse, so it doesn't feel like a full song. He's only got 24 bars on the entire thing. It feels like the sort of song that Rick Ross would have come in and put a classic verse on. Right. Too short, too short, too short to have a real impact on the project. Like you listen to it and you're on to the next one. Yeah. You know, that's what and I'm I, saying. Like but, this whole album could have been so much more. Yeah. So he's got a, most of his tracks are only like two verses. So like yeah. even the ones with the feature are only two verses. So I don't know why he approached it that way, but, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree that the beat and everything just screams for Rick Ross. And I think that it's doing itself a disservice going in between ultra black and replace me you know, two more solid songs to have this little, almost an interlude just kind of pop in there. Yeah. Um, Replace Me was the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not, I don't like the features. I don't feel like they fit and it, the hook. I didn't feel like the hook fit. I feel like the subject matter of the hook was fine. Like I, I, I like right. the lyrics of the hook, but I felt like it would have been better had he maybe got a female vocalist. Yeah. 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 I can kind of understand that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle with the feature. Like I think big Sean did what big Sean is known to do on features. You know, he, it wasn't a radio song. So I think Nas and Hitboy picked the perfect beat for him. Mm-hmm. So I think he, he did his job and he did it well. Uh, the two of them just didn't have chemistry. Like they weren't in the same place when it got done. So sure. like, yeah, he, and he, like, like none of the features are bad lyrically. It's just that I just mm-hmm. feel like they just don't fit. Yeah. And so, so the chorus was fine. I don't think that it elevated the track at all. Yeah. So like it, it was fine. Like, you know I mean? It was a placeholder. Um, so I gave it, I gave it a four cause it was a solid enough song, but like I said, it could definitely have been better put together because it didn't seem like they have any chemistry it was like you know somebody doing a favor for somebody else right uh till the war is one i feel like that's your sentimental track 
and it, I, again, it's a, another feature that I don't think worked real well. Yeah. I thought I thought Little Dirk did his thing. Like it was a solid verse, uh, and it's very on target with what the new era is doing when they're speaking out about these issues. Uh, I think that he's just really. I think he fit in it. I think Nas made it a point, I think, to go get the younger generation for this project. Because basically yeah. on, his, on his subject matter, it makes sense. You know, if you're going to teach the youth, you know, you've got to have them listen. You know, so somebody's going to have to bring them in. And I thought that it was, I thought it was fine. It was, you know, a little bit better than average. Uh, Hit Boy had a, you know, simple beat that gave Nas a lot of room to maneuver. It just, uh, like I said, the features just don't seem like they were on the same page together. Do you think him getting these specific features is him trying to stay relevant? I don't think, I don't think staying relevant is the right word because I think that he's preaching to the younger, you know what I mean? Like why else would he go get hit boy specifically, you know what I mean? And bring in Lil Dirk in them, you know what I mean? To try to bring in the younger generation the beats aren't going to bring in the younger generation, not going to make them get hooked. So the features are pretty much just going to bring them in for a first listen. You know what I mean? So if you're just trying to get your message out there, that's the easiest way to do it is to have somebody like that. But at this point, 27 summers, you know, there's really no reason for him to try to stay relevant because he's so in his pocket that he didn't do anything towards the younger generation. Like even the songs that he did with these younger artists, he didn't, twist it to their style of doing it. He just stayed right in his pocket and gave you 100% Nas. Unlike when Jay-Z does a feature with a younger artist, you know, he always changes it up to sort of blend in with the new stuff. Yeah, and that, I mean, that'll be an age-old argument, Jay-Z and Nas, and I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. All bad. Uh, I felt like the vocal effects on the hook sounded real weird, and I didn't like the features. Uh, but I his, his last verse he got his his old man on. I feel like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got no time for juveniles throwing tantrums, texting me like they hate my word answers. Here's to call me. This is you stalling. <laughs> like no, that's that's 100 real. Like you, that's what you're at. But me, I didn't have a problem with Anderson Pack. I think uh, that your problem with his effect is like that's what he does. You know what I mean? Like he came up with Kendrick. You know what I mean? So that, that weird effect thing is 100% what they do. Um, yeah. I, think, I thought that he was good. The old school vibe that Anderson Pack delivered fit well with Nas and the minimalist beat. Uh, so I thought it was one of the better ones. But like I said, if you're not a fan of Anderson Pack's style, I could definitely see it distracting. Uh, yeah, from yeah what it, it, did. it did feel distracting. Uh, definition. I So I actually really liked this one. I thought this was one of the better ones. I felt like Nas kind of went off on this one. And yep. the end of the track about gout, that <laughs> that is some, <laughs> some real shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, my problem was that it was another one verse song. Like, yeah. it just, like, it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, but I 100% agree Nas had his, like, vintage flow on. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what he's no, mid two thousand you know, cadence that he had. But my problem with even that is like, that's the cadence that Rick Ross is using, you know, that he's run with it for so long now that to even you put Rick Ross on this song, their cadences would have felt 
more together than any of the other features would have. Yeah. It, I've got strong opinions on Rick Ross. Like, I, and mm-hmm. me and you have talked about this. I feel like Rick Ross has the potential to be one of the greatest of all time, but he just needs someone to bring out the best in him. Like it, the the yeah, best yeah, Rick cool. Rock tracks ever feature Drake, feature Jay Z. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, well you could you could tell that he sits down and he takes his time on those things. I mean, mm-hmm. like I think that the best Rick Ross is when he's with like the Justice League and they bring out that instrumentation and. Yeah, so like when him and Nas do songs together, that's the beats that he's over, you know, and I think that's more of what Nas should do. And, you know, Rick Ross said he'd executive produce a Nas record in a minute, you know, and I think that that would be one of the best moves for his career pretty much at this point, you know, uh, not even to stay relevant, but just to make super quality music. For sure. Uh, Track 10, full circle, good. This track is what I wanted the whole album to be. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> like, like when I, I put like if this would have started the album, I'd be like, all right, yep, I like this album. But right. yeah, this was the only one that felt like classic Nas, and maybe he didn't want to give us classic Nas, and that's yeah. fine. But I mean, the, when's the last time we got a real Nas album? Like, Life is Good. How long ago did that come out? It's been a while, but he, like I said, he did I mean, lost tapes too. Not too right, long. That ago. was all. That was all unreleased tracks, right? I don't believe so, but like non-album stuff. But I'm with you. Uh, we had Nazir in 2018. Okay, so all right, so here's my my thing. All right, lost tapes two was unreleased tracks from Hip Hop Is Dead, Untitled, and Life Is Good. Okay. And I then, yeah, yeah. Nasir was one of them bullshit Kanye product or projects that he was doing. He did what Pusha T, uh, Kid C Ghost, Nasir, and then did he he did Yay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three or four right back to back to back, like the same weekend or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. So like, I, it's more of an EP to me, I guess, because what it's only like seven tracks in like twenty five minutes. So yeah, well, it's been. But in retrospect, that's half of this album. Because this album is only 40 that minutes is long. half of this album, yeah. Um, so uh, to me, we haven't got a real Nas album in eight years. Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty on par with his brand. You know, yeah. he drops one, goes away, comes back. Yeah. But um, uh, I liked Full Circle, though. Uh, I think that it didn't have the impact that the old school firm tracks had. But I think that's missing the dre factor you know to push the vibe over the top like you could tell that he didn't really do much you could tell he mixed it because if you listen to the tracks it's mixed differently than anything else um but i think that if he had put his little flavors on it it'd have been just that much better and the one thing i really liked about this is that foxy came in and reminded everybody what a femsey can actually be like she came in and just went to town and that's something we haven't seen done easily in the last 15 years. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the firm feature. I was excited when I saw that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then not credit, you know, and Dre popping in just to talk his shit was a, an, an added touch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 10 points. So aside from the single, this is like the, fir- the first Nas track, no features, like a full three minute track. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. And, yeah. And I, I was like, eh, it, the beat needs more. It was okay. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good backdrop for what Nas ended up doing. Like, I don't think it detracted from what Nas did. You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes an MC will come in and elevate a beat or a beat will elevate an MC, you know. And I just think that these were both guys doing what they do. Like, it wasn't, you know, nothing extra to it. Yeah. Uh, the Cure, the, I love the beat on this one. Um, I felt like this was the feel-good track. And if if he stuck with this kind of formula for this track, that could work for him going forward. But I felt like this track should have ended the album uh yeah but in the actual album that's where it ends because spicy's a bonus track oh okay see i i missed that because it, it's not labeled as bonus on uh, apple music yeah on so, spotify cool. it is and i believe i believe on wikipedia it is too um but i agree i like the beat um i thought that the sample was great but it could have used kanye's touch basically to push it over the edge like, cause I like hit boy, um, it's production and he did a good job chopping the sample and everything. But I think that it missed the little flavor that Kanye would have put to the drums. And you know how he likes to put that one sound on everybody's beat, uh, and just do it. I think that that would have pushed it a little bit farther. Um, but overall it was one of the better ones on the project. All right. What'd my- you think of spicy? <laughs> um, I thought that this song pointed out how Nas can still fit in with the true current rap artists, not the hybrid artists like we talked about last time with Juice World and you know the, not the melodic guys, but like him and ASAP. ASAP could be perfectly fine. You know, what I mean, like they could coexist on the track. You know, like the younger generation, New York. I think that it would work. Uh, overall, the, the, it was okay. Like I, you know. It's the kind of track that you would expect yeah. from ASAP Ferg. You know what I mean? But uh, I thought right. Ferg shined on it. But, you know, Nas just kind of stayed in his pocket, but stretched just enough to get, you know, to cross over to the younger generation. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, this album just didn't connect with me. Like, I wanted it to be so much more, and it's not a bad album. I think. I wanted life is good part two. And, and I mean, ideally I want, you know, hip hop is dead part two, but I understand that, you know, age plays a factor at this point. You see it with other artists, like with, with Eminem and Eminem's really my only good example right now, but I mean, Nas <laughs> is in his forties. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I thought that he did a poor job of executing his plan. Like with the title King's Disease and the way he explained what he meant by it on this album, I don't think Mm -hmm. that the body of work that he presented supports his, you know, whole idea for the project. I thought it was was good and he had pieces sprinkled in there, but I don't think that he uh, hit his Nas level of impact on the subject matter. Like I said, I gave it a three out of five. Like if it was on, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to turn it off. But if someone was like, Hey, go put on a Nas record. I ain't reaching for this one. No, it'll be before the Kanye produced one. But I mean, I ain't reaching for Streets Disciple either though. So Streets Disciple was okay, but I'd put it, I'd put it above this one. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I thought, I thought that it fell victim to a lot of short songs, uh, which kept it from you know a couple of songs would you know a couple another verse by him or a feature would have maybe pushed it to a four you know in my opinion but yeah all right keeping with the new york theme uh we're gonna talk about ja rule and jim jones so (laughs) my reason (laughs) my reason for picking these two is because of how similar their careers are. Um, ah, but see, but see, I don't even see it that kind way. Of, but go, on, kind go, on, of. go on, go on, go on ahead and explain your uh, your thought process. Right. And I'll... so, kind of, uh, both both New York rappers, neither of them to me fit the traditional New York sound. Um, so, what do you, what do you label as the traditional New York sound? Uh, Wu Tang, uh, Big Pun. Uh, Nas, Jay Z. I mean, maybe they fall into like the Fat Joe category for me a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the Fat Joe category is like the start to the 2000s. And that's where you got to take Ja Rule. And, but Ja Rule and Jim Jones, you know, they're all connected to Jay Z. So if you think about Jay Z's 90s trajectory, like late 90s, that's where we are. Um, when they first came out that I think that that was the changing from the quote unquote golden era of hip hop that even Jay-Z back then wasn't, you know, so when he, when Ja Rule came out, it was after, you know, that was life and times volume two era pretty much. Um, so that wasn't, you know, reasonable doubt, you know, reasonable doubt was like golden era, biggie era, Nas or uh, Jay-Z. And then when the 2000s came around with Ja Rule and uh, Murder, Inc. and Rough Riders, everything changed. And Jay-Z changed, too. So I think they, like Ja Rule and Jim Jones, are traditional New York 2000s. Like, you can't compare it to the 90s because they hadn't, you know, they had an agenda to push it to the radio, pretty much. And so that that started even with Jay-Z at that point. Uh, So that's why, like... But Ja Rule and Jim Jones to me aren't really compatible artists outside of both of them needing a feature to carry their songs. <laughs> so, but the reason I say they're similar, all right, so we, uh, neither of them stayed relevant. They both had their time. Neither of them are relevant today. Um, now, you could, you, I mean, it's, pretty obvious that Ja Rule was probably the more successful of the two. Yeah, um, yeah hands down. Yeah, he had more hits. Um, but so this is where it gets different. So Ja Rule, up until 2003 with Blood in My Eye, had gone platinum every time. He was six times platinum. Correct. Has not released an album since 2012. Yeah. So... Jim Jones, Harlem, which was his best album, peaked at 74K, which isn't even close to the numbers Ja Rule was doing in the 2000s. Correct. However, Jim Jones is still releasing music. He dropped El Capo last year. Ja Rule. See, that's the. the, There's a difference in the way Ja Rule attacked his music in the way that Jim Jones did. 
So Ja Rule came up basically out of nowhere under the Def Jam umbrella with Jay-Z and DMX. Like they were going to form a group pretty much in the early days. And Jim Jones came up with Dipset. So the Dipset format wasn't, yo, let's put out an album, you know, a big project, you know what I mean, with big names and get it out there. They were always the mixtapes, you know, the, they were dipset was more like G unit where the mixtapes is what fed them. So like, if you go and look at the number of mixtapes, Jim Jones puts out, you know, there was like 40 or 50 of them things on Spotify. Like no joke. Like it's yeah. packed. Like I had to skip like whole pages of scrolling. But to now, find- correct me if I'm wrong. Jim Jones didn't really hit mainstream success until what was like the mid two thousands when the South became big in the mainstream. Correct. Yeah, and that was after Dipset kind of, you know, stopped working. Like, because Cameron, you know, fell out with Jay-Z, and then Jewel Santana is notoriously a weak link. Like, he doesn't want to do music. Like, so he just stops doing music when he feels like it. Which was crazy, because he was going to do an album with Wayne when Wayne was the hottest thing in music. Yeah, and he just decided he wasn't going to do it. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense. So Jim Jones constantly releasing music, I think is a necessity. Like if he doesn't release something, he doesn't get paid. So, you know, the 70 K albums or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's how he's getting paid. That's why he does so many. That's why he got all these features on everything to try to bring more people in, especially in the streaming age that we are now. Like he's going to need to release something basically every week, you know what I mean? To, to keep people involved because nobody's checking for Jim Jones. Nobody's like, really checking for Ja Rule either, and I feel like Ja Rule's got a lot more bills to pay. Well, let's see, the problem is <laughs> the problem with Ja Rule is that he's good. Like, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't need to do music. Right. Much like when you when you're on the level that he's on in the two thousands, and Irv Gotti, you know, to his credit, it was a smart dude. You know what I mean? Like so if if he if Ja Rule he was surrounded by Jay Z and Irv you know, Irv Gotti and all these other people like that are business minded people. If he paid attention, you know, he could be have a diverse portfolio and not even be worrying about money. Cause obviously he's not out here slanging features for everything. You know, I, I, Jim Jones, I, I'm looking at the track listing for El Capo. Like he's got some decent features for somebody who's not relevant at all. Yeah. But I mean, if you're the weed man, everybody's friends with the weed man. That's true. And he is a nine tray blood from, from yeah. what the news has told us. <laughs> yeah. So, so to me, I think that the two really aren't comparable based on the fact that, you know, Ja Rule was a superstar basically until 50 completely took him pretty much. And uh, yeah. like, they were the same artist more or less, like 50 was, yeah, more, for sure. was more aggressive. Yeah. So he took, I mean, he literally took the format that Ja Rule was doing and then ran with it. Yeah. And so I think that's the problem with Ja. You know what I mean? Like he went against, you know, the Goliath shady records, you know what I mean? And did it, did it, you know what I mean? Jim Jones and them had problems with Jay-Z and they kind of, you know, knew better, you know? Right. So uh, here's what I, what I find kind of funny. All right. So we'll start with Jim Jones dropped El Capo in 2019 uh, I don't have exact sales numbers as far as is as record sales, but it did it did chart on the Billboard 200. It was like 114, but it did chart. 
Yeah, ja Rule, who who we can agree is the more successful of the two, dropped his last album in 2012. You want to guess how many sales he had the first week? I don't know, 25,000. 3,000. 3,000. But what was on there? You know what I mean? Like, what was the... Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, but see, that's that's a lot of things to go on with that. Is like, Jim Jones has been releasing music. So that helps, you know? But I just pulled it up. Like, he doesn't, you know, Ja Rule didn't have features no, on it. No, he didn't. Not at all. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. I can't tell you that I've ever, you know, done yeah, this. It was, it was produced by Arliss 7, which is good because Arliss is dope. But uh, other than 3, that. 3,000 copies is, dude, I mean, back in his heyday, 3,000 copies wouldn't even put you remotely close to the radar. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 3,000 I mean, copies ain't shit. Yeah, 2012 is, I don't know. We were in a different era then. You know, people weren't buying CDs. Right. You know, this this is in the middle of bootleg era for sure. And with the way that he got handed it by uh, Dre and 50 in an eight-year layoff, nobody was even thinking about it. Yeah. He also did uh, a little bit of time in prison. Um, oh. If I'm... If I'm not mistaken, he did, and this was prior to the Firefest deal or whatever it was. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, he did two years at Rikers. Yeah, for gun charges and tax evasion. Yep, yep, and and, uh, but, and to read the wiki, that's the uh, that's when this album was released. Was yeah, uh, was while he was and incarcerated. Then, and then, yep, after and then after this album, it looked like he had more legal troubles because he was arrested with uh, Birdman Lil Wayne. Yeah, I mean, but that's normal, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who who hasn't been arrested with a little white? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> New York, New York and guns is a bad idea. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just that's just so, what it is. Yeah, so we agree that Ja Rule's more successful. Jim Jones has got more of the hustle. Uh, personal pre- preference: Who do you prefer? Ja Rule, and it's not for the reasons you think. It's not for his radio songs. Like, I'm big. Like, I used to be a big Ja Rule fan, like, when he was coming up, like I said, with Jay-Z and DMX. But, I mean, like, how can you not respect an artist that gets on tracks and handles their own with DMX, Jay-Z, Fat Joe, Locks, Nas, Crooked Eye, Method Man, Red Man, Eric Sermon? You know what I mean? And these are just to name a few, like, that were on his projects. Like, these aren't even features that did for other people. I mean, that's a who's who of New York rap. And then, you know, Crooked Eye from the West Coast. So, like, he always had that gritty side. I think that they just presented him to the radio. And then that's what got him destroyed, basically, because 50 wanted that that spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I also would say say Ja Rule. And and mine would be for the radio hits. Like, Murder Rain, I love that song. And then I was never a fan of Jim Jones just because I wasn't a huge fan of the whole South thing when he when yeah. Jim Jones you know was popping and the the dude looks homeless. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I always thought that Jim Jones was the weakest link in Dipset. You know what I mean? Like he was fine. Like he had his little spot, you know, and he always did Jim Jones things. Like he never got outside of himself. 
But uh, any time that he exceeded his own talents and tra- crafted a truly, truly great song, there was other people there elevating it with him. Oh, yeah. Cameron's like, significantly better than Jim Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And Jules Santana, for that matter. I mean, so that's, you know, yeah. two of the three. You know? yep. So, like, anytime I got on yeah. a song with somebody, I think he did good. Like, I like what, what you've been drinking on, you know, Diddy and them. It was a good radio song. Like, the first song yeah. that I was like, oh. Like, when you said Jim Jones, I'm like, yo, that's the first one that came to mind. Second one Damn, is uh, Twin Towers with Busy Bone. You know what I mean? So, like, I had to go back and, like, listen to his top yeah. ten. You know, I forgot I about like, what you're drinking on. Yeah, it, but it's what but album it's, was that even on? It's it was early on, and it's uh the reason you don't remember it is it's in the the days of his down south vibe. Yeah, you don't really you know why? Because I remember the Paul Wall verse on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul, Paul Wall had the best did. verse on that track. Yeah, yeah, um, he's gonna put guys outside your or no? Diddy had no. You know what? No, Diddy's verse is better. Yeah, but somebody wrote Diddy's. I don't bother to check to see who did it, but <laughs> but somebody did, you know. And like, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, so like, so like those two songs I thought were like my favorites by him. Like I couldn't really come up with a third. And then uh, when I was listening to Ja Rule, like I said Ja Rule, my first ones that came to mind were my only begotten son off of this first album, and then how many, how many wanna? You know, always got that little double time flow. Uh, so I was like, okay. You know what I mean? Like he's got a little difference in style, but like Jim Jones, like, I don't know, like he was all, he's good for the hustle, but I don't, I think that there's a reason why he never took the leap pretty much. Like he got, he got the features, but they weren't the radio features. They were the hustle features. Yeah. Where we have a decisive winner. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Job rule hands down. I don't think it was a fair comparison. Like I get what you're saying. Like New York Mm -hmm. both disappeared. Uh, One's still trying to work and one's, you know, wasting money in fire festivals. And Hey, he's doing commercials for that Euro restaurant. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, like, (laughs) I don't think he's hurting, you know, like, yeah, their net their net worths can't be in. Maybe that's just the the comfortable work. You know how many professional wrestlers are doing car dealership commercials right now? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, they say Ja Rule's net worth is four million dollars. By the way, on the good old Google. Okay, that, I mean hey. for real, for real, for real, for a. I mean that it's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Oh, but they say Jim Jones is eight. How about that? Oh damn! Uh, celebrity net worth. See, I wouldn't expect Jim Jones to be worth that much, to be honest. He don't look um, like he's worth that much. But, you know, he's a, <laughs> he's a hustler, though. You know what I mean? Like, you can never really count count him out. You, you know what he needs to do with that money is hire a decent barber. Ah, that's his, that's his <laughs> you know, signature signature look right now, you know? What do you got on your, uh, your recently added this week? Oh, so dude, I don't even know. Give me one second. I uh, got to pull it up because that's something that I forgot to add to my list. So I will tell you, all three of my tracks are cannot be further away from each other. Ah, well, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, got to open up Spotify on the laptop so I don't crash. Uh, cool. I'll tell you mine while you're looking. Yeah, go on in. Go on in. So I got Quarantine by Blink-182. As a, a, a fun single they put out. Um, I got Black Milk by Busy Bone. That was his uh, Black Lives yeah. Matter track. 
that's all right. And if I'm not mistaken, he's got a new album coming out next week. Uh, week yeah, it's one of those. I think it's the week after, but I could be wrong. I'm only passively looking for it. But it's Bone doing Bone things, so sometimes in October, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> it, it may be early or it may be two months late. And then I got the uh, new Chris Stapleton single, Starting Over. Oh, that's a, that's so, a good choice. Yeah, so like I never for real for real listened to Chris Stapleton up until like last year. Um, I know one of my coworkers was super into it, and she's into country music. And she yeah. kept telling me, "You need to listen to Chris Stapleton. You need to listen to Chris Stapleton." I'm like, "I don't really like country." Well, so right. one day I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna listen to Chris Stapleton." And I put it on, and I text her immediately. I'm like, "If this is country music, then so is the Almond Brothers." Well, <laughs> like it's very southern. He's, rock, he's, a, right? he's a he's a he's a throwback, yeah. Like the outlaw era. Oh, for sure, yeah. And he's got that look about him too. So I, I oh, enjoy yeah. his music. All right, so I've got a song called "Heavy Shit" by Blake Rose. It's a cool little little radio joint. Basically, he's talking about drinking, uh, okay. you know, relationship stuff. You know what I mean? So he's drinking the heavy shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Epic and Jacqueline Waters never cease to amaze me. Is my other one. It's a sort of a, a gospel-ish type of a song. Like it's got a message to it. Uh, not like overly religious, but uh, I think it's a like a feel-good kind of a thing. And then the last one that I added, which was four days ago, uh, the band cameo. And uh, Chelsea Cutler, uh, Crying Over You, another breakup song, uh, no real reason. But that's just some of the new things that came across my plate. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. So, you know, instant add to the thing. Nothing. It's like good vibe music. Uh, won't interrupt your flow of pretty much anything, no matter what your uh, style is. But honorable mention to uh, Kane Brown and Nelly for Cool Again. Uh, there's a oddball. Nelly trying to be cool again? Yeah, yeah, well, c- country, you know, like he he found his little crossover niche market there. But uh, cool again, it's, it's cool, right? You know, Nelly doing Nelly things, representing the same voice. So, but yeah, yeah, more uh, pop ish, like underground pop ish type stuff going on lately. Um, didn't add anything from Nas. No big surprises there, though. 